0: Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast brought to you by Generation to Generation where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation and our guest today is Misha Getz. Now Misha, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do?
1: Yes, my name is, as you said, Misha Getz. Um, I am married to Joshua Hoyt, and we have one son named Caleb. Caleb and Joshua. Caleb's five years old, and we have another child. We don't know if it's a boy or girl on the way in two weeks. And I am from Nashville, Tennessee. I am the daughter of a wonderful guy named Marty Getz, and. My mom is Jennifer, and he is a musician, and I have found myself following in his footsteps as a musician and worship leader as well. Uh,
0: Before we dive into the conversation, uh, for people that listen to this and they say, I wanna get some of her music, find out more about her, where can they do that?
1: Yes, good question. Um, My website would be a great place to start. It's Music.com. and Misha is M-I-S-H-A.
0: Okay, and I will put that link in the description box for people listening. They can go straight there and check it out.
2: So, Misha, when, when we have a podcast, people give us the end of the story. This is what you do, but every story has a beginning way back or, or a moment when things change and you say yeah this is a path I'm on so presumably you grew up singing in a musical family talk to us about right right from the childhood what what was it like with the musical family I mean some for some it would have been I never want to hear music again but for you obviously it was different
1: Yes, well, I am an only child, and so my parents had me a little bit later in life, and I was their, their one and only, as they call me, and so we would travel during Christmas vacation and summer, and my dad would sing all over the country and sometimes around the world, and my mom um, was and is his manager, so it was just a family affair. We all went everywhere together whenever we could, And my parents started me um, in piano lessons at the age of six, which I think obviously was a a big deal. And I took piano all the way through my senior year of high school. So I took piano for almost 12 years, um, which I'm very grateful for. But I always loved music. I was always drawn to music. And as a child, you know, my dad would do a concert and he would invite me up to sing. From the time I was a little girl, you know, people ask me, when did you start singing and when did you start making music? And I really honestly do not have an answer for that because um, I don't I've been doing it since I could walk <laughs> or talk, I guess you could say. Um, so that was my kind of childhood and, and growing up. And uh, when I was about 13, I was um, in a youth group and. I had always been singing, always been playing, but I had never played the piano and sung together. It just had never really crossed my mind so much. Um, And so my youth pastor asked me, hey, you know, you play, I know you play piano and I know you sing like you want to lead worship for us sometime. And I was 13 and I thought, well, sure, why not? And so, at the age of thirteen, I went on a missions trip with that youth youth group to South Dakota on an Indian reservation, actually. And it was a life changing uh, trip spiritually, but it was also life changing um, vocationally, I guess you could say. In that, I led worship, and for the first time, realized, wow, I can not only can I do this, but I feel like I've been anointed to do this. Hmm. So
2: So, so, so unpack that a bit because some people listening will go, I can do this. I was anointed to do this. Uh, You know, if you're anointed to do it, you can do it. And if you can do it, you're anointed to do it. Unpack that a bit about the difference or what, what, um, what was the revelation you had about that? That's
1: a good question. And that I, that's a hard one too, to answer. I, I, I knew when I was leaving, and my 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 youth um, minister really was the one who kind of spoke this into me and encouraged me that hey, like when you're leaving and when you're playing, there is the Holy Spirit falls and there's a presence that comes when you open your mouth and you sing, or you put your hands on the keyboard and you start to play that is obvious and is obviously having an impact on these kids and the people that are, are listening. And, you know, I didn't do anything to get that anointing. I feel like apart from pursuing the Lord in my own daily walk, you know, that's obviously very important as a worship leader. My dad has a great phrase that he says when he is talking about worship or singing and he says, touch God and he'll touch the people. So, you know, as a worship leader, as a minister, so much of what you're ministering flows out of what you've received from God directly. And so when it comes to anointing, I just feel like I feel the presence of God when I'm singing. I feel that he uses me in rooms where, um, you know, I'm playing or ministering and, it's just because I'm touching God and as I'm touching God, he touches the people where, you know, some people have the ability and the skill, but you don't sense that anointing and you, and you don't sense um, that kind of ministering spirit. And it's, it, it, it's hard to know exactly why that happens sometimes and, 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 and why it doesn't.
2: I mean, t- just staying in that moment, because like, we speak, um, on platforms around the world, pastors and leaders, and and so I can identify with what you say in speaking. Now, I have had two times that I can remember. I'm not saying none of the other, but two horrific times <laughs> when I felt like the presence of maybe God... I
0: wasn't meant to do this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the presence of God. It just didn't seem to be anywhere around. I wanted to run away and hide. I never wanted to do it again. It was just the most horrific moment that I moments that I can remember. Have you have had anything like that where you thought, oh my goodness. What am I doing? What's here? going on here?
1: I have had I don't know that I would describe them as horrific, <laughs> although I'm sure that's happened to you and I'm sorry it has. Um, <laughs> But I, I I would, but, but I can relate. Absolutely. I've, I have had a, a couple of those. One, do you want me to tell you about them?
2: Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me have somebody identify.
1: <laughs> One of them was just, I think it was an, uh, a lot of older people love my music and, um, My dad's audience is, I guess you would say, a bit older for the most part, and a lot of them love what I do, but I got invited um, one time to a group of people that were very much older, and and then there was me, and I think they were just probably thinking if I could get inside their brains, what is this 25-year-old girl doing, leading us, you know, A seniors (laughs) and there was just not not quite a connection there so that that was my horrific concert and it was a full concert and I and there was no engagement no it just felt like I was just powering through at the moment those are not those are not the most fun I'll say that
0: especially if you pick up at it pick up on it right at the beginning and you've still got an hour to go or something it's like oh boy this is gonna be brutal
2: I, feel, I yeah. feel like it's like Moses said, unless your presence goes with you, I'm not doing with us, I'm not doing that again. But, That's I mean, right. I, I don't want to sort of stay in that zone, but I was interested when you said about, you know, just understanding gifting and anointing and, and really appreciating yeah. that. So you don't always sing in English. Correct. You speak, sing in? Hebrew. Hebrew. Why would you do that? <laughs>
1: well, that's a good question. I, um, I was raised um, in a Messianic Jewish household. And for those of you who have no idea what that means, um, my parents were both raised in Jewish households, one a more conservative religious household, the other one more reformed, which means a little bit more secular. And so there was no talk of Jesus at all. The only talk of Jesus was that the Jews killed Jesus and we can't believe in Jesus. That was the only talk about Jesus in, in either one of my parents' homes growing up. And in the late 1970s, in something called the Jesus Movement, which came right after kind of the hippie movement, a lot of Jewish people got saved, and specifically in Southern California where both of my parents just happened to be at the time. And so they both were saved in the Jesus movement and attended a church called the Vineyard Christian Fellowship. And out of the Vineyard came Calvary Chapel and Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith and all of these people who have had just, you know, enormous impact on evangelical Christianity today. Um, They got saved in their mid twenties and became followers of Yeshua, which is Jesus's Hebrew name. And so they raised me as a Messianic Jew, which is a Jew who believes in Jesus. And there's not a lot of us. We're a small niche and our, uh, our music ministry is also not that large. And so a lot of my music is not just Christian, as some people would call it, hmm. but, uh, we call it messianic and it incorporates Hebrew and Jewish themes and Jewish prayers and things of that sort.
0: Your, your dad is, um, very successful, popular within these circles that you're talking about. And you said that you got into this or really realized this is what, you know, you were meant to do at sort of 13 years old. Um, what was the role that your, your, maybe your father more than your mum? I, I don't know what your mum's musical side is like, but what was his role with that? Was he very hands-on? How did he nurture that? Did he kind of bring other people in to help? How did he nurture that in you growing up?
1: That's a great question. Um, well, so I realized I wanted to lead worship at 13, but I never thought at the age of 13 that I would be doing it full time. That came, um, a little bit later, uh, like. Freshman year of college, senior year of high school. When I wrote a song called "The Ironic Benediction," which is from the Book of Numbers 6:24 through 26, and I started singing it when I would be with my dad, and people started asking, "When are you going to record that song? Where is that song? How can I get that song?" And I just thought, "I don't know. You know, I have no plans of, in recording of, of recording an album or anything like that." So that's when I realized, once people started asking me and asking me that. Maybe God wanted me to do something with this song. Mm. And that's when I recorded, um, raised money for it and then recorded my first album. But as far as my parents go and the role that they played, everyone asks me, so did your dad teach you how to play piano? (laughs) And the answer is no. I had a piano teacher um, mostly because it just he is he's he's like a prodigy and he's a genius piano player, but he's not the best teacher. And so I did have a piano teacher, but he, um, you know, he would always play for me and I would sing with him. We would write songs together on the piano when I was little and just for fun. And he would always do that with me. He, I, he would set me up with a tape recorder. If you remember what that is <laughs> <A> tape recorder, <laughs> and a little tape, and he would encourage me to, you know, write my songs and then record them. So I've, tons of recordings from the age of, you know, eight years old, just little things that I would come up with here and there. And he always encouraged me in that. And, um, but when I finally decided to do an album, my parents were actually shocked and, you know, they were encouraging, but they were totally hands off through the whole process. And when I played it for them, finally, when it was finished, they just, I was, they were sitting in the back of my car and I'll never forget their, response because they were honestly shocked that I had pulled it off. <laughs> 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 they were amazed. And, you know, my mom was crying cause she's a crier and they just could not believe that I had done this entirely on my own really. Um, and so, I mean, they've been so encouraging, but they haven't ever put any pressure at all for me to follow in their footsteps. It's been purely God mm. just, you know, telling me to come along.
0: <laughs> what about, um, so that they, they didn't put the pressure on you. Sometimes we could put pressure on ourselves. So um, I know what it's like. I mean, you following your parents' footsteps, I've followed in mine. And, you know, we're called Generation to Generation. You released an album of a similar name. And so uh, sometimes though you can feel that pressure of the shadow the that looms from those yes. that have gone before you. And, you know, I have to kind of following my mom's footsteps in terms of public speaking and sometimes I felt that pressure more times than other times how was that for you did you have those struggles as well
1: yeah that's great um yes I mean you know the first thing anyone says to me pretty much when they come up to me after I do a concert is I love your dad (laughs) you know like that's it's just inevitable that Hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm I love your dad, you know, and I'm like, yeah. I do. I, and and the thing about it that is wonderful is I love my dad too. I mean, I am yeah. my husband and my mom and I are his number one fans. I mean, we just think the world of him. So that's helpful, um, you know. If 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 it, if I felt differently, that would maybe be a different experience. But yeah. I love him, and yes, I have had to. I think, I think the thing that keeps me focused and keeps me centered is that is realizing that I'm never going to be my dad. And, um, I mean, my dad is one of the best piano players and most prolific writers I think that has ever existed, honestly. And I would not describe myself as that. Um, but realizing that that's okay, that I don't have to be my dad, but that God has in fact formed me and designed me and made me to be me because he has a calling for my dad and he has a calling for me. And as much as I, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in many ways. And I actually am aware of that, that so many of the times people, people come up and say, you have the same anointing as your dad. You know, you bring the same thing that your dad brings. And I, and I receive that and I think that that's definitely true and I'm grateful for it. Also realizing that I'm never going to be him and that God has called me for such a time as this to be me. That's what I always am reminding myself of. And I mm-hmm.
2: think, and it's true. It is yeah. true. What, um, I'm not saying, I've got to phrase this right. Oh, don't. What,
0: it could be more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: What song or, or songs, but to find one, would you say really Impacts you most when you sing. What song? Did, if you said, "Okay, Misha, here's the floor. Find one yeah. song. What would that song be? What is the song you want your your son to grow up? What What is the song that 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 means so much to you?
1: Well, that's an easy one. It's the first one that I composed um as an adult, which is the ironic blessing. Just because it's such a pivotal prayer in Jewish history and in the Bible Um, it's so significant and it means so much. You know, you're putting, it's not just a blessing. It's the words of God, which is pretty amazing. It's literally God's words. Hmm. And when you speak the blessing, you're putting his name, which is so important in Jewish tradition, the name of God, you're actually placing the name of God upon the people that you're singing over. And I, there's not a blessing like that, that I can think of in, in the whole world, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be the ironic benediction from the book of numbers. And I sing it to my son every night. Um, I have people, I mean, countless people have sung it at funerals, at weddings. Um, it just seems to be a song that has a life of its own. I really feel like it's not mine in a way. A couple of years ago, a, a company wanted to, to buy the copyright of the song, um, from, from me and like purchase the song and then go distribute it worldwide. And they have, you know, a, a large following. And I said, no, cause I said any other song, you know, you could take any other song of mine and buy it from me and do what you want. But I can't give this song up because it's so much, it's such a heartbeat
2: song hmm. I can I, I can see that I can believe it if you had said to me which song I probably would have gone for that but you never know because sometimes no no sometimes when somebody is singing a thing over and over and over it gets like I oh know I could do this again and pretend right. it's fresh sometimes
0: but, there can be really obscure songs that people have written that have meant more to them but people don't even know what the song right, is right so, yeah.
1: exactly yep that's true
2: but that's that, one Ca- yes, yeah, so I, I
0: know for us when we've taken groups to Israel and done tours, sometimes we've played that song on the bus with oh. everyone listening.
2: Yeah, it, it it really is special, make sure it is. And, and after all, it's thousands of years old. I mean, it isn't That's even right. something that you had came up I mean, you did, you did, God used you to. to, to
0: Remix,
2: remix, yeah, well, yeah. yeah exactly. But, but you have taken God's heart and God's commands. Speak this to the people. This is the this is the blessing, aren't you, to give? So, yeah, I can see how it's. I can see how it was is that one. So, how does your husband fit into all this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great question. The people in the messianic world still don't believe he exists because he has been so busy over the last few years. Um, Doing what he does, which he graduated from law school last May from Vanderbilt University and, um, you know, has felt for a very long time, you know, he's not Jewish, but he's as close to a Jewish person as I could ever get without being Jewish because he's got a Jewish heart and soul and attitude, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is great. He worked for the Israeli consulate in Los Angeles. Um, back in 2013, which is when we met. We had known each other as kids because he grew up actually in the Messianic world. And um, we had mutual friends who were Jewish believers that we were very close with and his family was very close with. So that's, that was the connection 20 something years ago. And then fast forward, he moved to LA. I was in school in Los Angeles at the time and we reconnected. Um, but he has always felt called to politics. And that will be an interesting journey. We don't know where it's gonna take us, but he he's a lawyer now. He's clerking for a Fifth Circuit federal judge um, in Austin, which is why I'm currently living in Austin, Texas. And shortly I am moving to Louisville, Kentucky, where he's going to be clerking again for a district judge. And then we'll be moving to Washington, D.C., where he has a job at an actual law firm. So who knows what's going to be after that? It might be Arizona, where he's from, um, or it might be Nashville, where I'm from. But eventually he sees himself going into the political world. So pray for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. These are quite the times to be getting involved with politics.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that that is um that is interesting and heartening to see how you have managed to blend your two worlds they're not pulling against each other but you are both free to pursue what god has called you to because sometimes right. in a marriage that that's a bit tricky
1: that's right so, and he he's my number one fan which is so important i mean if he were not my number one fan then You know, he might feel like I shouldn't be doing all the things I'm doing and traveling and such, but he is. I mean, he believes in me more than I do myself, I would say. So
0: Is he he your number one fan when he's talking to you, but your dad's number one fan when he's talking to your dad?
1: Exactly. (laughs) He's he's both of our number one fans,
2: (laughs) for sure. So if you look forward, if if you say five years from now with your music, I go back to, you know, the heartbeat that God has given you, the gift, the anointing. If you could say to yourself, OK, in five years' time, I would really, or, or, or sooner, I would really like to sing here. I would really like to sing for these people and bring this music, take the it Blessing to these people. Where would it be?
1: Like what country would it be or what venue Pe- would it be?
2: Anything. Just somewhere you think to yourself. I, I, somebody said to me, okay, you can go here. You can sing their ironic blessing over them. You can sing. You can go. However impossible or possible it might look now. Where would that be?
1: Golly, I've never thought about that. Um, I know that I would like to do another album. I mean, that's a short-term goal and that hopefully will be soon, but as far as bringing my music, I think what's so amazing about technology, it's got so it's got so many pluses and minuses to it, but pros and cons, but you know, that benediction has already gone all over the world because of websites like YouTube mm. <laughs> and Facebook Um there was a video a few years back, probably five years ago, of the people in Singapore singing the ironic benediction over their prime minister, and it was like 250,000 people in in this, or 25,000 people, maybe 250, a lot of people in their on their on their national day of prayer singing my song and over their prime minister, wow. and I, I don't even know how it got. I have no idea how it got there. Um, But that's what I would like to see. I would love to see that, that song specifically go to every nation because, and I would love to see every nation (laughs) singing this song in Hebrew Um, and just, you know, the blessing going out from the Jewish people to the rest of the world, because that is what the Bible says. And, um, you know, from the Jewish people to the nations. So I would love to see. I, I don't know a specific nation I can think of. I mean, it'd be great to see all of Israel <laughs> yeah. singing my mu- singing my music because that would mean that it's the end and we're all going, <laughs> we're going home.
2: Well, I'll tell yeah. you where I would like to take you. I would just yes. been thinking that I would do it. In Laos, in a field, as this group of people, probably about seven or eight of them, something like that, and they have been horribly imprisoned. They have been persecuted. Um, they have one Bible between them. Some of them mm. lost their children because of the persecution. And there is one scripture in that Bible that that had a pencil over it. And I said to them, "What's that?" Through an interpreter. And and it was God when God said, "Those that bless you, I will bless; and those that curse you, I will curse." And we, I said, "Well." And they said, we pray for Israel every day in this field. And I said to them, who? In my Western, my crazy Western mentality, I said, who taught you that? I mean, you know, you have that mentality. And they said, but it's in the Bible. And so I have a recording of, of these precious people in this field praying for Israel, just Going wow. for praying for Israel with this one verse in their Bible. So if I could take you somewhere, I would take you to those people in that field who are praying for Israel, suffering so much persecution <laughs> that you would sing over them. That That's just and my... The, and
0: in those countries, some of those countries, just mm. to support Israel, can, there can be a heavy cost that comes with that. So.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, in um, like in Malaysia, uh, you probably know this, but others might not. That that they can lose their citizenship by supporting Israel. So, so there is a price that people pay for supporting Israel. So you're Jewish, right? There are many Jewish people who do not support Israel. They don't. It's like it's like there's this country. that's just causing us a whole load of problems. And we're just, we, we don't want to know. Why are you supportive of Israel?
1: Well, as you said, it's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious to me. I was raised for, to have a heart for Israel, to have a love for the Jewish people. And it was kind of um, at the age of, I would say, like 16 or 17, somewhere around there when I realized, Oh goodness. Cause I went to a Christian school, a Presbyterian school, K through 12, but late in high school, I realized, wow, it, it actually matters that I'm Jewish. And I didn't really make that connection prior to that. I just thought it was like, Oh yeah, I'm Jewish. And I believe in Jesus. But now that I, you know, ha- have read the Bible for myself more and, um, have spent that time investing in my Jewishness, I guess you could say, I see the importance that, that I'm not just a Jewish believer in Jesus, but I'm part of the promises fulfilled and that, that promise is going to continue to be fulfilled and that it's very much connected to, if not, it's the center of God's, you know, ticking time bomb for lack of a better phrase. Um, and that you have to support Israel because God supports Israel and because he's not coming back to (laughs) Malaysia or Laos or, you know, America, he's coming back to Jerusalem. He's, he's coming back to a specific place. And so if that matters to him, it should matter to me. And, um, you know, you just, I, you can see that the church's eyes, um, have been blind to that for so many years um, with replacement theology and things of that nature but you mm-hmm. do also see that so many people are starting to realize I think for the first time the importance of Israel and the importance of the connection between Israel and, and Jesus coming back
2: yeah, yeah. H- hugely um, hugely significant and yet I would say many 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 are blind to it uh, and yeah. don't see, don't see what is written all the way through the bible. Mm. so so presumably, you're raising your son according to, with his Jewish heritage and Jewish identity?
1: Oh, yes, he knows he's a Jewish guy,
2: yeah, yeah. so so, as you think, you know, as again, as we look forward, and and as in this time when the world has gone crazy, I mean, when so much is happening that even Do you want eight, to unpack that. Well, <laughs> 18, eighteen months ago, we would never have believed the, the last eighteen months or so, and you That's have right. just and you have just mentioned the return of Jesus, and and people's eyes are beginning to turn. That way, people's attention, people are beginning to ask questions about his return and um, look at what is going on in the world and say, well, you know, the sons of Issachar knew the signs of the times and they knew what to do. As as you look at raising your little boy and your other little one and, and you're raising them, many people are saying they could be the generation to see the return of the king. How does that impact you as a mother?
1: Holly, that's that's an easy question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm just inspired to teach my son the truth and to not allow all the twistings of the truth, um, into his upbringing. (laughs) Um, and I mean, that's, that's really hard because there's so much gray and you want to, you know, you hear the phrase in the world, but not of the world. You know, I want him to reach the world and be in the world, but I also don't want the gray twistings of the world to come in and, and have a negative impact on, on the truth for him. Um, So I think it's just more important than ever that you teach your children the word and you teach them scripture. And I mean, this is, this sounds silly, but we listen to a guy named Steve green in the car every day. He, he he's a Nashville recording guy and he has all these kids albums that are, you know, from the early nineties. So they're, they're dated, but they're just scripture and we play them every day in the car and they're, and they're melodies that are set straight from scripture. And I just love them so much because I just think to myself, I'm so glad my son, he knows all the songs, you know, he knows every single one and to me that's the best way to train up your child in the way they should go is to just mm. let them know scripture hide it in their heart and then you pray and you hope that as they walk through life that they'll be able to discern good from evil you know wrong from right just based on know, knowing God's word i think mm. that that's the best way you can you can raise your kids in this in this <laughs> world we live in that tells us all kinds of truths. <laughs> Quote gen- unquote.
2: So from generation to generation to generation, it is rolling on through your family. So as we draw to a close, you mentioned at the beginning you hope to have another album out before too long.
1: Yes, I hope to have another one this year. I've I've been birth I've been growing a child, but also I've written more songs this year than I have in years. So um, I'm hoping to birth Not only a child, but also a new album in 2021.
2: So we will look look forward to hearing that, seeing that, finding out about that. So anybody who's listening, keep an eye on Misha's um, social media or wherever you're going to hear from it. And we look forward to hearing it.
0: Yeah, maybe when uh, you're about to release it, we can have you back and you can talk us through some of the journey, some of the songs and the things behind it yeah Um,
1: that would be awesome
0: well thank you misha we really appreciate you taking the time thank you so much
1: of course thank you bless you guys get to the u.s safely
2: yeah yes we're we're trying (laughs) bye misha thank you bye
0: thank you for listening to this episode if it inspired you please rate us and subscribe on apple or google podcasts spotify or another podcast platform